Hello, and welcome to episode 132 of The Modern Manager. I'm your host, Mamie Canfor-Stewart. First, a warm welcome to Megan Kay and Ashley W., the newest members of the Modern Manager community. I hope that you are finding the episode guides and guest bonuses and Slack channel all helpful on your Rockstar Manager journey. Also, because you signed up during the holiday promotion season, you get a special gift, a one-month membership free to give to the person of your choosing. So this could be to one of your team members that you want to develop, a friend or family member, or maybe even your boss, hint, hint. This holiday special runs through December 31st, 2020. And when you join, you get one month of the same membership level to give away. That means if you sign up at the one-on-one coaching level, you also get a one-on-one coaching level gift to give away. To learn more, head over to themodernmanager.com slash join. Today's episode is all about dealing with emotions. We are in the midst of a pandemic and it's holiday season, which means we've got all the normal aspects of life plus additional complications, which all gets processed into emotion. And in general, people aren't particularly skilled at dealing with our emotions, let alone other people's emotions. So learning how to tap into your emotions and engage with other people's is a life skill that we could all benefit from, both inside the workplace and everywhere else. A lot of what I'm going to share today, I learned from the book Permission to Feel by Mark Brackett. There is a link to the book in the show notes, and I highly suggest you read the whole thing if you find today's episode useful, because I covered just a fraction of what he talks about. And if you have little people, i.e. children in your life, there is a lot that the author directly applies to how we can help build solid emotional skills in kids. So let's get to it. You're listening to The Modern Manager, a podcast dedicated to helping you be a rock star boss with a thriving team. Whether you're looking to upgrade your meetings, cultivate your team, or grow as a leader, this podcast is for you. Now here's your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. In America, at least, we are pretty much taught not to express our emotions authentically. We ask at the start of almost any meeting, how are you? And then on autopilot, we respond, fine or busy or good or pretty well. And I don't know about you, but I have definitely given those answers when I am not actually feeling fine or good or okay or pretty well. But we've basically developed a culture in which expressions along those lines are really the only acceptable ones. Part of the problem is that when we ask, how are you doing? We don't really want to know. We have twisted that question into a pleasantry rather than a relationship building interaction. But right now, while we are missing our in-person connections and reading facial expressions and body language is so much harder because we have the screen as an intermediary, we really do need to be asking ourselves and our colleagues, how are you, and mean it. The author of Permission to Feel uses the acronym RULER as a model for how we can think through and manage our emotions in a healthy way. So that is mostly what I'm going to talk about today. So let's walk through it together. RULER stands for R. Recognize. Notice the emotional state. You understand. What is the cause of the emotion? L. Label. Find the right language for the emotion. E. Express. Share the emotions in an appropriate way. And R. Regulate. Influence the emotional state to maintain balance. Starting with the first R, recognize, is all about noticing our emotional state. How we feel is information, and by ignoring it, we lose the opportunity to use that information in a way that is helpful to us. 
If you're in a bad mood, which I love the definition of a mood as a residual feeling from some previous emotion that is now coloring your outlook. So again, if you're in a bad mood, you'll judge something harsher. You'll be less patient. You'll be more likely to point out flaws. Whereas if you're in a good mood, the opposite's true. Noticing your mood can help you counteract it because you'll be more aware that you're being impatient or nitpicky or if you're being overly optimistic. The first place to start with recognition is the mood meter, which is a tool developed by the author, Mark Brackett, based on research by James Russell. James said that human emotions have two core properties or dimensions, energy and pleasantness. He created a quadrant map that includes 100 different emotions based on their level of energy and pleasantness. As a side note, the mini guide this week is a mood meter printout that you can hang on your wall or use as the background on your computer to help you and your team members better connect with your own emotions. So hang with me here for a second because we're going to go through a little visualization. Imagine a chart where the x-axis runs from negative 5 to positive 5 for pleasantness, meaning the far left negative 5 is really unpleasant and the far right positive 5 is really pleasant. Then the y-axis is negative 5 to positive 5 on energy. So the bottom of the axis is negative 5, which is super low energy, and the top is positive 5, which is really high energy. We now have four quadrants, which Mark has colored to make them easier to remember and refer to. The high pleasantness, high energy is yellow. This is for emotions like joy, excitement, optimistic, cheerful, proud, inspired. The high pleasantness, low energy is green. This is for emotions like relaxed, calm, grateful, serene, cozy, satisfied. The low pleasantness, high energy is red. And this is for emotions like annoyed, frightened, angry, livid, shocked, stressed, repulsed. And lastly, the low pleasantness, low energy is blue. And here we have emotions like depressed, lethargic, bored, hopeless, tired, disappointed. The easiest way to begin to understand emotions is to identify which quadrant they're in. As you pause to check in with yourself, simply consider if you're feeling yellow, green, red, or blue at the moment. And we can do the same thing when trying to understand other people's emotions. The challenge comes in when we're talking about how to interpret other people's signals, because we all interpret them differently. We try to read behavior, but first, people don't always act in alignment with their true emotions. And second, we often end up overlaying someone else's behavior with our own mood or emotional state. So for example, maybe your boss just snapped at you. And you think, oh my gosh, they must be so upset about the project schedule being behind and that I'm falling down on the job. But what if they were just told that their kid will now be doing Zoom school for the next two weeks? So they've got to figure out how to work from home while also managing their kid's schooling. Perhaps their sour behavior towards you was the aftermath of their previous state. And in reality, you're the one who's worried about the project being late and your responsibility. So you feel a sense of guilt or nervousness that you've now transferred to being your boss's anger. This is why we need to ask about how people are actually feeling. Because behavior on its own doesn't tell us enough. Remember, most of us try very hard to suppress our emotions, especially in a work context, so that we're not seen as unprofessional. Which means even when behavior does give us some clues, our interpretation isn't always accurate. And that leads us to step two, understand. The author talks about being an emotion scientist rather than an emotion judge. We should ask questions and try to uncover the root cause of an emotion without passing judgment on the emotion or the reason. Now, this is definitely easier said than done, and I can say that I have definitely thought to myself, really, you are going to get so upset about X, and then fill in the blank with pretty much anything. 
And in those moments, I am being an emotion judge, which means I can't be sympathetic and I'm not very likely to be curious about why the person is truly so upset. Basically, we can't be both a judge and a scientist at the same time. So I need to let go of my opinion and instead just seek to understand. And by the way, being an emotion scientist can be really helpful to the other person too. There are times when I have gotten upset and my husband will stop and say, wait a second, what is going on with you? And it is then that I realize why I'm in a bad mood. So by having someone else be that emotion scientist, they're helping me or you can help them understand their emotions better too. To be an emotion scientist, the questions that we want to ask are things like, what's really going on? Or even, you're not acting like yourself. What's going on here? Or maybe you seem X, you seem upset, nervous, frustrated, down. Is my interpretation accurate? What happened to make you feel this way? And how are you feeling really? For yourself, think about why this feeling and why now? What just happened or what is going to happen? And are there any memories or past experiences that are being brought up since those also color our emotions? The better we are at finding the root cause, the better we are able to then deal with it. In the book, there are numerous examples of how people need different things based on the source of their emotion. For example, let's say that your team member is supposed to present to the client and they appear nervous. Asking them what's going on, assuming that you have a foundation of honesty and trust, could lead to responses such as, I don't like public speaking. I always get nervous when I have to present. Or, I'm not feeling 100% confident in the work. I was up all night with a sick kid, so I wasn't really able to give it that last 10% that I normally would. Or, this client is really tough. I'm worried that they're not going to like it and that it's going to reflect badly on me and my team. The root cause is really important because the support that you and others need is based on the reason for the emotion, not only the emotion itself. So it won't be helpful to tell someone, don't worry, you're a great presenter, if their concern is actually about the quality of the work or telling someone who hates public speaking that you know the content is solid. So this leads us to the next component, which is label. For all the words in the English language, we use very few of them to describe how we feel on a regular basis. But it is critical that we take the time to find the right language or term, because there's power even in just naming what we feel. It begins to give us control. And the more precise that you are, the better you're able to express it and have other people understand what you're experiencing and therefore what you need. As kids, we might just say, I'm mad. But there's actually a difference between anger, frustration, and disappointment. And if we mesh them all together, it's not particularly helpful or insightful. And the same is true for many emotions, especially this idea of being stressed. How many times have I said that I am stressed since the pandemic started? But the author notes that stress is often a misused term. When we dig a little deeper, we discover that what we're really feeling might be anxiety, fear over lack of control or uncertainty, pressure, feeling something is at stake and is dependent on the outcome of our performance, overwhelm, being overtaken to the point of being disheartened or lost, exhausted, really, really tired, worried, concerned about what is happening or what will happen, or finally, actually stressed having too many demands and not enough resources to meet them. As you can see, each of these is slightly different, but in meaningful ways. I remember around the time of the election, I was feeling really stressed, but actually it was a deep sense of worry. And over the summer, I had a really hard week to the point of feeling overwhelmed. But if you asked me then, I would have just said I was really stressed. 
But now I can see how I got through that week, not with stress management techniques, but with ones better suited for dealing with overwhelm, like talking to friends, making a plan, and having more generous self-talk. Once we've found the right word, we can next focus on how we express, which is E. Sharing our emotions is actually a two-way street. We have to share and others have to receive. And when that works, it really deepens the relationship. But when it doesn't, it can end up feeling worse for both parties. Oftentimes, we don't actually want to share our emotions because we fear that what we say or what we show will surface negative emotions in the other person. Maybe it's going to catch them off guard. Maybe they'll feel responsible for their role in making us feel this way. Maybe they'll judge us for having this emotion. Or maybe they'll just be annoyed that we're piling this on them. In our role as listeners, it's our job not to judge, but to listen and ask questions, to be that emotion scientist. And we have to do that for ourselves too when we're in that listener role, to notice when our own emotional state is changing because we're listening to someone else's emotions. We'll talk more about this in the final section on regulation, but for now, it's just important to pay attention to when we're making it harder for someone else to express their feelings. We also need to recognize and remember that the ability to express emotions, even in appropriate ways, is not equally available to everyone. Gender, class, race, culture, power, context, all of these things come into play. For example, if women raise their voices, they're often seen as shrill, but if men do so, they're taking charge. There are negative stereotypes, especially for people of color, when it comes to expressing anger. These stereotypes and expectations are completely unfair and they put a great emotional tax on some people. So it's important that as managers and colleagues that we check our own interpretations and biases to make sure that we're creating an environment in which everyone has permission to feel, as the author of the book would say. And this leads us to the final R, regulate. Regulate is all about our ability to control and have emotional balance and influence our emotions that we can use them productively. A person who struggles with emotional regulation may overreact in unhelpful ways or suppress their emotion, which is equally unhelpful. The tricky thing about regulation is that while there are limitless strategies that we can use, any given strategy may only work for certain emotions for us, and what works for us may not work for others. It's highly individualistic, which means that we each need to do the work to find the right strategies for ourselves. Now, the good news is that we are actually regulating all the time because our emotions are continuously evolving as we take in new information each moment. You may have some strategies that you inherently use, such as taking a deep breath when you're feeling overwhelmed wringing your hands when you're feeling nervous, sitting up straight when you feel energized, avoiding a person who irritates you, splashing water on your face when you're tired, calling a friend when you're feeling down or proud, and crying when you feel sad or lonely. There are also unhealthy regulation strategies like alcohol or eating. You might say that my chocolate addiction is a strategy to combat feeling tired or disengaged in the afternoons since that sugar and caffeine probably give me a false pick-me-up. As we become more aware of our emotions, we're better able to use our healthy regulation tools to help us enjoy the positive feelings longer and reduce the havoc that negative ones can cause. Again, it's not about suppressing any feeling, but about helping us navigate the ups and downs in the most helpful and healthy ways for ourselves and for our colleagues. And on that note, if you've ever worked with someone who wears their emotions on their sleeves or doesn't have good emotional regulation skills, you know it can be extremely difficult to work with them. It can feel like you have to walk on eggshells to avoid setting them off, or be overly sensitive to how you engage them to make sure they feel motivated and connected. It can be exhausting to manage someone like that. So first, I ask that you do some honest self-reflection to explore if you might be one of those people. Do you have emotional outbursts or let your mood highly influence how you interact with your colleagues? 
Are you overly sensitive to feedback or bad news or dissenting opinions to the point at which your team doesn't feel comfortable being honest with you? If you're not sure, this might be a great place to open the conversation with your team. You can use the full guide for this episode to help you facilitate those conversations or start a book club with this book, Permission to Feel, so you can all build those skills together. Second, if you have a team member who struggles with emotional regulation, you can help them develop this critical life skill as well, which of course will serve them and you and your entire team. Lastly, I've only covered a tiny bit on regulation and the strategies and approaches to support emotional regulation, but the author goes into a lot more detail in the book, Permission to Feel. So maybe I'll do a future episode on that. And if you want me to, shoot me an email so that I will know, mamie at mamiechaos.com. But for now, even just focusing on those first four components of Ruler will take you a long way towards emotional health for yourself and your colleagues. The mini guide for today's episode is available at themodernmanager.com slash mini guides. To get the full guide to today's episode, join the Modern Manager community. Go to themodernmanager.com slash join. And for $15 a month, you get access to all of the episode guides and guest bonuses to help you implement the learnings from each episode. And I am running that holiday special. So if you join before December 31st, 2020, you also get one month of membership to give to the person of your choosing. If you want just this episode guide, you can purchase it and any other individual guide at themodernmanager.com slash shop. All the links are in the show notes and they're in your inbox along with that free mini guide if you subscribe to my newsletter. And you can get on that list at themodernmanager.com. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Meetings are one of the most critical components of healthy collaboration, and teams are at the heart of how we work. Meteor helps you use your time in meetings productively, build healthy relationships with your colleagues, and move work forward. To learn how we do it, visit meteor.com. That's M E E T. EOR.com. You've been listening to The Modern Manager. You're already becoming a rock star boss of a thriving team, I can tell. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player and join the mailing list at mamieks.com slash podcast. That's M-A-M-I-E-K-S dot com slash podcast to get show notes and other special content delivered directly to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.